So this is our year of telling stories. And if you know me, you know that I love stories. Stories stick with us. They endure in our hearts and our mind long after we've told the story or heard the story. And they orient us and guide us and remind us of what is happening in our world. One patient said to me recently, my family came to southeastern Colorado five generations ago. They settled on those high plains, and those first years were rough. My ancestors kept thinking they'd better head back to Texas where they knew it was safe, but something kept them on the land. They struggled through, and you know, now we'd never leave that land, no matter what. Once they made it through, we were destined to be on that land, and now it's in our bones. We were born knowing the twists and turns of this place and all the stories of the early struggles, and that helps us when we struggle, knowing that we can make it through. When I tell you the story of how much I lost when I left senior ministry, how I didn't know where or how my life would end up, but how with your help and Ariana's help and the hospital's help, I got back on my feet, ended up here, a hospital chaplain, all the while clinging to the goodness at the heart of all creation. How that quote never left me. You know something about me. You know something about yourself. That this is a safe place to land. This is a place where people can heal and move forward. You know something about what you mean to me. And what this place means to me. Now six years later. And how I won't forget you. Because you reminded me of the resources that I had to get through a difficult time. When my theology professor, Josiah Ulysses Young III, when he would tell us a story about when he was young and coming out of college, he joined the Alvin Ailey Dance Company. And he loved to dance. And he looked like Billy Williams. You know that guy from Star Wars? Isn't that his name? Anyway... The, yeah, he was just a good looking guy. And um, he was like, he was a dancer. And he told us that when he would dance and practice, and the practice was over, everybody would stand around and gossip and tell the juice. And he'd, he'd uh, be in the corner reading a book, right? And he realized his life wasn't in dancing but in graduate school, and he got his PhD up in New York. When he told us those stories, we knew that he sacrificed his first love for his greater calling of being a theology professor, that he put aside his love so that he could come and teach us. And when he would tell a story from like Beloved by Toni Morrison, where baby Shugs takes the folks out to the clearing, and says, love your heart, that is the prize. And she gets the women to come forward and cry for the living and the dead and the children to come forward to laugh as a sign of hope and the men to come forward and dance. He'd say, 
That dance was from Mother Africa. And that dance was the antelope dance. And all of a sudden, he'd start moving. He'd start moving and dancing and telling us the story. And we knew that everything in his life, the dancing part and the theology part and the spirituality and his African-American heritage was all coming up. And the story became rich and deep. And we just knew more about him in that moment. It was almost 20 years ago. I started seminary in D.C. in 1998, 1999, 2000, 2001 I was there. And when I left Wesley in 2002 to take my first church, I wrote Josiah a poem, you know? It was about jazz and it was about Harlem and it was about you know, baby shugs and beloved. I don't even know what it was about anymore. But I know that he stuck it up on his wall and that meant everything to me. I doubt he still has it and I can't tell you what it's about, but I'll never forget him dancing that antelope dance, right? And telling me everything you need to know about the human spirit and the need to love one another and ourselves. Never forget it. Now, last month I told you the story about Muhammad going up to see God and Moses helping him out. And I told you that was my favorite story. And that's true. Um, this is like my third favorite story. Yeah, that's right up there. It's like, it's on the rise. Um, so I'm going to just read this story to you and ask you a few questions. And then we'll be done. You can go and do whatever you need to do. All right. This is my grandfather's blessings. Stories of strength, refuge, and belonging by Rachel Naomi Raymond, medical doctor. Anybody know this book? I've, I've spoken on it before. Yeah, but you know, in the Christian tradition, they, they tell the same stories over and over again. So if you've heard this story before, I don't care. <laughs> it's a good, yeah, it's good for you. All right, blessing. On Friday afternoons, when I would arrive at my grandfather's house after school, the tea would already be set on the kitchen table. My grandfather had his own way of serving tea. There were no teacups and saucers or bowls of granulated sugar or honey. Instead, he would pour the tea directly from the silver samovar into a drinking glass. There had to be a teaspoon in the glass first, otherwise the glass being thin might break. My grandfather did not drink his tea in the same way the parents of my friends did either. He would put a cube of sugar between his teeth and then drink the hot tea straight from his glass. So would I. I much preferred drinking tea this way than the other ways. After we had finished our tea, my grandfather would set two candles on the table and light them. Then he would have a word with God in Hebrew. Sometimes he'd speak out loud. Other times he would remain quiet. I knew then 
that he was talking to God in his heart. I would sit and wait patiently because the best part of the week was coming up. When Grandpa finished talking to God, he would turn to me and say, Come, Nashumalai. Then I would stand in front of him and he would rest his hands lightly on the top of my head. He would begin by thanking God for me and for making him my grandpa. He would begin by thanking God for me and for making him my grandpa. He would specifically mention my struggles during the week and tell God something about me that was true. Each week I would wait to find out what that was. If I had made mistakes during the week, he'd mention my honesty in telling the truth. If I had failed, he would appreciate how hard I tried. If I had taken even a short nap without my nightlight, he would celebrate my bravery in sleeping in the dark. Then he would give me his blessing and ask the long-ago women I knew from as many stories, Sarah, Rachel, Rebecca, Leah, to watch over me. These few moments were the only time in my week when I felt completely safe and at rest. My family of physicians and health professionals were always struggling to learn more, to be more. It seemed there was always more to know. It was never enough. If I brought home a 98 on my test, they'd want to know where the other two points were. I pursued those two points relentlessly throughout my childhood, but my grandfather did not care about such things. For him, I was already enough. And somehow, when I was with him, I knew with absolute certainty that this was true. My grandfather died when I was seven. I had never lived in a world without him in it before, and it was hard. He had looked at me as no one else had and called me by a special name, Nashumale, which means beloved little soul. There was no one left to call me this anymore. At first, I was afraid that without him to see me and tell God who I was, I might disappear. But slowly, over time, I came to understand that in some mysterious way, I had learned to see myself through his eyes. And that once blessed, we are blessed forever. That once blessed, we are blessed forever. Many years later, when in extreme old age, my mother surprisingly began to light candles and talk to God herself, I told her about these blessings and what they meant to me. She smiled at me sadly. I have blessed you every day of your life, Rachel. I just never had the wisdom to do it out loud. How are you like Rachel, that little girl? trying to perform well for her parents, trying to always go after those two extra points. How are you like her, feeling like there aren't many places or spaces in this world 
where you can be completely at rest, completely comfortable, who maybe felt like she was never quite enough. Even the way they drink, drank tea together was memorable. It was different. And she remembered that drinking tea because it was part of some bigger package where she felt completely safe and at rest. How are you like, Rachel? Needing those Shabbats needing those candles, needing that special reminder that you are a beloved soul. That you are beloved in this world, that you are belonging, that you belong. We're all Rachel in some way. We all need some place to be safe. We need to know that we are blessed just as we are. And there are people in this world on Madison Avenue, in the media, in certain religious traditions, whose job it is to tell you uh, that you need more, that you're inadequate as you are. But then there are places like this, and little places like other little churches and centers and yoga centers and Buddhist sanghas and churches and mosques and temples. There are other places where the message is worth sharing. That you are enough. That every person in every land at every time has access to the Holy Spirit, to that Spirit which says, There is no need to strive. There is no need to attain. There is no need to worry about the other two points because you are beloved just as you are. That your dignity and your respect and your worth is without condition. And that you are loved. And in a world that can be crushing, it bears repeating our job is to go out and remind folks that they're enough. Are they perfect? Uh, Probably not. But they're enough, right? And God's love for them and for us and for everyone is ours for the taking. With beauty before me I walk. With beauty behind me, I walk. With beauty above me, I walk. With beauty below me, I walk. With beauty around me, I walk. If somebody hasn't told you that you are a beloved little soul in a while, tell yourself that right now. You don't have to say it out loud. You can if you want. That's why these affirmations are so important, right? How are you like grandpa? How are you like that grandpa? What did that grandpa do for Rachel? What did he do for Rachel?
he reminded her that he was grateful that he got to be in her life. Right? Simple little ritualistic ways. He reminded her. He saw her. He saw her in her beauty and he helped her to feel safe. And what else did he do? The part of that story that I love is kind of easy to miss. He lifted up images for Rachel as a little girl that she could strive for, that she could um, live into. Rachel, Leah, Sarah, Rebecca. I don't know if he lifted up Deborah who put a tent pole through some dude's head, but, um, but he lifted up all these women from the Hebrew scriptures um, that were just like beautiful. And he gave her something that said, look, look, you're beautiful just as you are. How are we called to be that grandfather? to others in our lives. There's so much about the world that we can't control. There's so much about the world that we have no real impact on. But there's a little circle of influence that each one of us has. And we can light our candle and say to those in our lives, you are beautiful, you are blessed, you are beloved. I am glad you're in my world. And then the last question for you, how are you like that mom, right? That mom is kind of the tragic story of this, right? She forgot to mention to Rachel that every day she was blessing her, every day she was loving her. Who are you forgetting? Who are you forgetting to tell? could be your spouse, right? Because you've been at it like 30 years and you're like, ah, she probably knows that I like her. <laughs> he probably knows that I'm tolerating him. <laughs> so why do I have to tell him, right? <laughs> James Taylor said it well. While you have the chance, while you have the breath, shower those people you love with love. Don't wait till the last minute like Rachel's mom did. Tell them now. Do not be silent, Howard Thurman said. Do not be silent. There is no limit to the power that might be unleashed through you. God bless you, friends. Thank you.